Praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, I didn't say somebody. I said everybody. Praise the Lord. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Amen. I first want to thank you, Pastor Nathan, for allowing me to share with your church family. And I also want to thank the church family for allowing me to be here also. Amen. I am excited to be here with you. I, I'm also happy to have my, my wife with me. That's the beautiful lady that came last time, Elder. This is my wife, Sister Runnels. Amen. Amen. That's good. Amen. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, glad to accompany her today at her church that she told me about and was excited to come back and visit again. So again, we're thankful for Alita, you being here with me. Alani, I see you here. Uh, she's our, one of our, one of the four children that we have. Alani, she's a junior uh, at NDAA. And Alani, I'm glad you came here. And Michael, Michael, where, oh, there you go, son. Oh, they're both in church. Amen. <laughs> Not in the hallways. Amen. We're glad to have both of my children. I have two others that are at uh, Southern. Southern Adventist University. One is a senior and the other is a freshman there at Southern. So please keep us in prayer. Also, I bring you greetings from the Texas Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, where your president, executive president, Carlos Craig, he resides in that office. Also, my boss, David Montoya, he's the executive uh, secretary. And then the executive treasurer is none other than Randy Terry. But church, I want you to know that last but not least, the, the, the real CEO of the Texas conference is none other than Jesus Christ. I want you to know that whether it's in worship or Montoya, he, he's a prayer warrior. Many times we go through issues from day to day and the first thing he'll say is, Runnels, let's get on our knees and start praying. Amen. And church, I'm a believer that prayer changes things. What do you say? Amen. So again, I want you to know that I'm, I'm just happy to be here. And I also have to tell you that God has been good to me. I'm going to say it one more time. God has been good to me. Many times when I wake up, sometimes when I just get on my knees, I just got to raise my hand and say, God, you've been good to me. You've blessed me with health and strength. And yeah, Lord, I may not have the biggest house, but I have a house. I may not have the fanciest car, but I have a car. And church, I don't take God's blessings for granted. Just blinking my eyes is a blessing from the Lord. My kids sometimes say, Dad, your, your eyebrows are so thick. You need to cut them shorter. I said, no, I don't. You see, when I'm out there jogging and running and I'm sweating, it's those thick eyebrows that keep the sweat from getting in my eyes. Amen. <laughs> Church, God is good, and that's why I come to you not with any good or fortune or fame of my own, but in a humility way, coming to you knowing that God is good to me just like he's good to you. Had he not been good, you wouldn't have been here today. Amen? So let's just bow our heads together and let's get to work and see what God has in store through his word to us today. Let's bow. Our kind Father in heaven, once again, it is such a, a blessing and a privilege and an honor to come before your people 
with the message from your word. I ask and I pray that you will hide me behind the cross. I pray that uh, you will speak through my mouth, but also speak to my mind so that all that is said and done will be pleasing and honorable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer, let all God's children say, amen. amen. <clears throat> the title of our message today is, don't look back, you're not going that way. Don't look back, you're not going that way. Church, we all know what happened two weeks ago with uh, Kobe Bryant, actually one of my favorite uh, superstars, basketball superstars. We know the story. He, he, he and his, fam, his daughter and seven other friends were traveling uh, to a, a basketball tournament. And we know the story. Uh, well, we actually don't know the whole story yet. We don't know how that helicopter crashed. But we do know that the helicopter crashed. We know that every individual that was in that helicopter died. Church, like many of you that may follow the Lakers or follow basketball, I happen to be a Laker fan, amen? Yeah. Oh, I'm surprised we got that many. I say that to other congregations. Oh, this is Maverick Town, amen. Yeah. Amen. There's enough room enough for all of us, amen? Yeah. Amen. But church, I got to tell you, yeah, I mourned. Yeah, I felt sad and grieved and, and talked to many other friends and, and looked at the news to get as much information as possible. But I got to tell you, two weeks ago, without judging Kobe Bryant, without trying to make a determination about him and the other people that passed away, I believe God put a question in my several questions in my heart that I believe he would like you to contemplate and think about also. You see, the first question in my mind that I believe God put on my heart is, did, God, did Kobe Bryant know the Lord? Number two came to my mind is, did he have a relationship with Jesus? Then I thought about him in another aspect, which is, did Kobe know the importance of studying God's word? But the bigger question was, if he knew the importance of studying God's word, did he do it? Did he study the word each and every day? Did he study it in the morning, in the evening? Did he meditate on God's word? Church, I want you to know that the same questions in my mind that I had about Kobe Bryant, I'm asking you to think about it for yourself. Are you really in the type of relationship? Let me change it. Are you in the type of growing? Someone say growing. In the type of growing relationship that Jesus wants to have with you. Let's go back just six more, six weeks ago. We were in 2019. Is your prayer life, is it better than last year? 
Is it is is your reading of the scriptures? Has that increased more this year so far than it did last year? You see, Christian friends, I am truly a believer that as we see what's going on here in our country, church, if we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. But church, I want you to understand that, well, Paul's going to help us understand that, church, it's more than just saying I'm a wonderful Seventh-day Adventist, or it's more than just saying I'm going to come to church, uh, elder, every Sabbath. It's more than just saying that I'm going to be on time for church each and every morning. By the way, elder, thank you for calming my nerves. When I came here, I was a little late. That's all right. You can say Amen. We conference officials, we, sometimes we are late. But I love what your elder said. Elder Stewart said, Pastor, you're in time. I said, man, I'm late. He says, no, no, no. You may not be on time, but you're in time. Elder, I thought about that. I was like, he's right. And that's really the key to our salvation is making sure we're following Jesus, being loyal to him, staying on his team in time. Because church, the truth is, some of us probably shouldn't be where we are. We probably shouldn't have all the blessings that we have. We don't deserve all the goodness of the Lord. But because of his love, because of his grace and mercy, God continues to give us time in order to be of service for him and uh, to help others be saved while they still have time. Amen? So let's go to our text of scripture today. This, this is pretty, 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 uh, I, I actually enjoyed studying about this uh, elder because uh, the Lord really helped me to, to see for myself how important this message, message is. So let's turn, let's turn together and go to Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read in your hearing from my New International Version Bible. It's Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, then we're going to go to verse 12, and I'll read in your hearing verses 12, 13, and 14. The Bible says, not that I have already ordained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but... I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Christian friends, I want you to understand that when Paul wrote this letter, he didn't have a house. He wasn't in a house, two, three, four bedroom house like you and I have or an apartment with heat and air conditioning. He wasn't writing in those types of conditions. The history books say that in most cases, they're saying that not only was Paul in prison while he wrote Philippians, 
or wrote to the Philippian church, but he was in a dungeon. A dungeon. That means he went actually through the prison gates, went down 10, 15, 20 feet into the dungeon. And while he's down there, these soldiers kicked him, spit on him, humiliated him, uh, probably busted his lip, probably may have been missing a tooth one or two teeth. He's bleeding profusely in different parts of his body. Broken arm, maybe a sprained knee from being thrown to the ground. Stripped of his clothes. Living in an environment where there probably weren't many, 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 many uh, toilets. What that means is it was probably more smelly than any porta potty you have ever used. Someone say amen. Oh, y'all don't use porta potties when y'all go to camp meeting? Oh, okay. I was about to say, y'all didn't go to Oshkosh after you use porta potties. We all have to. Well, what I'm saying about Peter is that is the type of situation he lived in each and every day for years. When it was cold at night, he didn't have a blanket and pillow. When it was hot during the summertime, he didn't have a fan or an AC unit. He had to bear the inconvenience of being in that dungeon. But church, despite the inhumane uh, uh, conditions that he had, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1 that, well, I believe it's verse 3, it says, I rejoice and I pray always, not only for the goodness of God, but for you, the church of Philippians. I have to believe if Paul lived in our days, he would have said, I rejoice all the time and I pray for you, Garland Seventh-day Adventist Church. I love you. I'm going to keep praying for you. Stay encouraged because God is still in charge. That's what he basically talks about in Philippians chapter 1. But church, I want to go down to verse 12 because this is where we get into the meat of our message. Even though, again, Paul is, is, is in physical pain and at times probably emotional pain, I want to remind you that Paul never turned his back on living for Jesus. Church, that's where I want to stop right now because many of us, we sometimes, elder, when Jesus doesn't obey, uh, uh, answer all of, our, all of our prayer requests, then we don't want to do what God wants us to do. And then some, they want to help God get what they pray for by, well, maybe Jesus won't matter if I just work this one Saturday, Sabbath evening. It's just a Friday night and, you know, God, I got to help him provide for me so he'll be okay if I am laboring on his holy day. Oh, it's getting quiet. Pastor, I, I want to make sure I get to come back, so I better just, sh should I just lower it a little bit? Don't lower it, huh? Okay, I'm going to keep preaching now because church, remember, I'm talking to me before I talk to you. Amen. Oh, pastor, what do you mean? Church, do you know the biggest temptation for me since I've been in conference is to really, when sunset comes, leave conference in Alvarado. There are times I have to say I've broken the Sabbath because I'm so worried about what's coming up Monday. It hasn't been Friday night yet. In other words, but pastor, you're, you're a pastor, you should know better. Church, understand, all have sinned and come short. 
whether you work in a conference, whether you're a pastor, an elder, a, a deacon, or just a member, the devil is trying his best to take our joy from us, which is on his holy day for that 24-hour period. So I want you to remember the conference because it is tough sometimes to leave the cares of the conference where it belongs. But we got to keep going, amen? Let's keep going. So church, here we go. Back to first, uh, Philippians 3 verse 12. The Bible says again, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. You know, when I, when, I, when I first started this piece of scripture, the first question I had as the scripture was talking to me is, what has, what is Paul talking about where he has not arrived at his goal or he has not already obtained? Well, in verse 10, it actually tells you the, uh, the answer. Notice verse 10. As I read it to you, it says, I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. I want to become like him even in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Basically, what Paul is saying is, look, I want to know Christ and I want to know him in a personal and in a practical way. And then number two, Paul is saying, I want to experience greater power. I want to experience greater freedom and joy that comes when we live in the light of the resurrection of Jesus. Last but not least, he's also saying, I want to have more of the attitude Jesus has when facing the difficulties of life. In other words, church, what he is saying is, even if it means a little bit of persecution, if it means I get to still experience Jesus and have a closer walk with Jesus, I want to go through it. Now, church, some of you are saying amen, but what if Jesus is saying, hey, you want to grow closer to me? You want to get closer to me? Well, what if I allow your bills for your mortgage to pack up two months late? What if that nice new car you have, what if I took away the blessings for you to gain uh, honest employment and all of a sudden the repo man is coming for your vehicle? What if, what if the justice that you deserve or the respect you, have, you deserve at your job, what if God allows your, your supervisor to disrespect you? What if he allows people to treat you in a way that's not right for the sake of growing closer to Jesus. What Paul would say, Pastor Nathan, is I'll take it. Because when it comes to living for Jesus, there is nothing more important than a growing relationship with Jesus. I believe if Paul was here, he would sing that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will go strangely dim... Oh, amen. You all know that song. I believe that's what Paul would say. But church, understand this. Let's bring it home a little bit more because, see, sometimes in our relationship with Jesus, it's one of these things where we have to be willing to let go of some of the things that God says let go of. 
It's kind of like, give an example. Now, if we all said, you know, uh, if I were to tell you the Lord, he wants us to keep his commandments and he wants us to honor them, we would all say amen. Amen. But church, I'm going to go a little deeper. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, because there's actually two more commandments that Jesus actually added, and he officially added it when he was here on earth. Matthew, Matthew chapter 22. Notice verse 36 of Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to go to verse 30, uh, 35, actually. I'm going to read in your hearing to verse 40. It says in Matthew 22, verse 35, it says, One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, the lawyer said, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, notice his answer, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. Oh boy, it's getting hot in here. Oh, boy, it's going to get a little hot in here. You see, church, I'm here to tell you right now that before you can even try to keep the Ten Commandments, do me a favor. Go to the fruit of the Spirit. Because for some of us, God is saying, before I can assist and help and bless you in, in keeping my law, I need you to still work or let my Spirit help you in some of the fruit of the Spirit that we, someone say we, that we struggle dealing with. For example, patience. Patience. Husbands, with our wives, patience. Wives, with our husbands, patience. <laughs> oh, I do, I hear it. <laughs> Parents, with our children, patience. But children, with our parents, patience. Church, what God is saying through, through Galatians chapter 5, he's saying, look. You want to be one of my children, I need you to allow the spirit to grow patience in you. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. Some of these members we have, it is hard to deal with them. Well, it still takes patience because the truth is, no matter how another member is to deal with, the truth is, maybe it's kind of hard for others to deal with you. I'm looking down so you don't think I'm talking about you. Amen. But church, this is what God is, Jesus is talking about. He's saying, look, love for God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, but your neighbor as yourself. We're talking about two forms of love. We're talking about vertical. Of course, that's with the Lord. That's with God. But we're also talking about horizontal. That's with our neighbor. Oh, but pastor, my neighbor, he, he's a staunch. I was going to say Republican, but I don't want to start nothing. Amen. The Bible says, God says, how I understand the scripture, whether he's Republican, Democrat, or doesn't even vote. God is saying, look, I want you to love, respect, and treat with dignity. Amen. Amen. Oh, but pastor, he's a Catholic, or, or he's a Mormon, or he's an atheist. Church is the same thing. We do know that God isn't just coming for Seventh-day Adventists. Don't you know that? Amen. Oh, you told him that, didn't you, Pastor? Amen. Church, understand, God is coming for his true church. 
His true church is none other than Jesus Christ. In order to be a member of that church, the blood of Jesus has to be on you. Or should I say the blood of Jesus has to be in you. And church, that's why I'm here to tell you, there's going to be other people in heaven besides just Seventh-day Adventists. People that have accepted Jesus, that are committed to living for Jesus. Yeah, they may not be perfect, but neither are we. Last time I heard, we're all still sinners in recovery, saved by the grace of God. And because of his perfect salvation for us, out of love, as God has given us truth, more and more we get set free. Amen? Amen. Church, I'm here to tell you, there are many people that are still waiting on you to complete the truth that they have in Jesus. Some of us, we kind of get ashamed. Some of us were scared because, well, I work for the state, I work for the federal government, I can't talk about Jesus on my job. What Paul would say is, if the Holy Spirit tells you to talk on the goodness of the Lord, you better. If the Holy Spirit tells you to talk about the saving power of Jesus, you better. Why? Because church, that's what we're here for. We're here, yes, you want to be in a gathering of believers every Sabbath or on Wednesdays, but church, all the other times is still about promoting and living for Jesus. What do you say? So again, this is what uh, uh, Paul was talking about. What he is saying is, look, I truly, I truly want to live for Christ so much so that I love him vertically and horizontally. That's why Paul didn't have bitterness in his heart. If anything, he had pity in his heart because he knew that he was being treated the way he was being treated because they didn't know any better. And church, the Holy Spirit wants to develop that type of compassion or that type of, 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 of feelings or, 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 or empathy. Thank you, Lord. Empathy for others. And a lot of times, church, God is waiting. He is pleading. He is really, again, using his spirit to come in us so that we can not only have compassion, but also to have that forgiveness. You know, church, many of us, it's been hard for us because we still can't let go. Church, do you know there are Christians right now who are still holding animosity with their uncles or aunts or cousins from 15, 20, 30 years ago? Now, I don't know if that's happening here, but if it is, amen, you gotta let it go. How can you press forward when you keep looking back at what happened to you in the past? How can you really go forward towards the mark when you can't let go of what so-and-so said to you or did to you last month, last year, last decade? Church, I'm here to tell you, that's what this scripture is all about. Paul was able to let go because he was able to reach forward because he let go. And you know what he let go of, Elder? He had a reputation of being a Christian terrorist. How about that? Never thought you could use that in the Bible, could you? Well, if you look at the history of Paul, when he was Saul, that's what he was. He thought he was doing it in the name of Jesus. And church, I'm here to tell you, it wasn't until he gave total control that he was able to let go of the guilt, 
let go of all the murders, let go of all the negative he did, and still go forward in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Church, that's what, he's, that's what he's trying to tell us today, to do the same thing, to let go. Now let's go back to Ephesians, because I want to talk about two more points, and I want to sit down. But th this, this next point, God really hit me upside the head. Amen. It happens to the preachers too, not just you all. Amen. Notice verse 13, it says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Huh. I do not count myself having taken hold of it. That surprised me a little because when you look at the resume or when you look at how Paul was, you almost question how he said that. Go back to verse four of chapter three in Philippians. Notice what it says in verse four. It says, chapter three of Philippians, it says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, I do the more. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, I was faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Church, initially when I read this, I was like, man, that Paul thought he was somebody. But pastor, what happened, elder, what happened to me is I thought about myself and I said, Lord, I wonder if I could have been guilty like Paul at one time. In other words, David Runnels, that's me, amen. Third generation Seventh-day Adventist. A mom and a dad that have been in Adventist ministry for over 42 years. My dad retired as a Seventh-day Adventist pastor after 42 years. Didn't go to one or two Seventh-day Adventist schools, but seven Seventh-day Adventist schools, Loma Linda Academy, Oakwood University, Golden Gate Academy in California. I could keep going on and on and on. Not to mention God, he, he allowed me to be an ordained deacon, ordained elder, ordained pastor. And Lord have mercy in the conference of vegetarian. I gotta be somebody to be a vegetarian. But church, I want you to know something. After studying and just learning more and more about Jesus, like Paul, I counted all loss. One version says, I counted all dung. Does somebody know what dung means? Yeah, it means poop. Someone say poop. Oh, I know you didn't want to say that, but that's what it means, church. It's in the Bible. Go to the right version. That's what's there. What Paul is saying is, Dave, I don't care how great you might have think your past has been. And by the way, a keeper of the law. Some history books say that Paul, like many Jews, they had laws to keep the law. In other words, there might be six, seven hundred ways to keep the Ten Commandments. They would have all these little laws to help you keep the Ten Commandment law. And Paul was great at keeping it. He's one of those guys that, unlike me, he could keep the Sabbath for 24 hours. He knew the 2300-day prophecy. He read all the books of Ellen White. 
He knew the importance of understanding the true meaning of the dead or the state of the dead. He knew all that. But church, when Paul looked at all that, he says, look, I count it as being worthless compared to knowing Jesus, willing to give everything for Jesus, willing to grow my life daily for Jesus each and every day. And church, I want you to know something. I firmly believe that one of the things I, I, I tend to think about our church, sometimes we turn it upside down. Instead of focusing on the relationship with Jesus first, we want to get people to make sure they know all the 27 fundamental beliefs of our denomination. Oh, it's getting quiet again. Amen. That's all right. That's all right because we're talking to each other. What we're saying is Jesus is the foundation of our denomination. But guess what? Just how he loves us, he loved, the Bible says, for God so loved Seventh-day Adventists that he gave us Muslims, Buddhists, Pentecostals. He died for everybody. All I keep telling my brothers is, once you know the truth, the truth sets you free, but the truth starts with Jesus first. And as you learn of Jesus, then you learn more truth in his Bible. And of course, it sets you free. But all I'm saying is, oh, I got another preacher ready to preach. Amen. That's oh, all right, brother. Amen. You'll have his turn in 15, 20 years. Amen. But church, I want you to know something. What God is saying through his manservant is, I love you. I care for you. But it's about my son first. It's about my son continuously. It's a daily renewal. It's a daily growth in relationship that God is asking us. Now, some will say, Pastor, it's so, I understand that, but it's hard for me to, to, still, to still reach the mark. Well, I'm going to tell you this. When you're talking about straining forward, like Paul was talking about, I have to believe that 1 John 1, 9 is a text of scripture he would give us. I'm going to read in your hearing. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. Notice Micah 7, 19. You will again have compassion on us, O Lord. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depth of the sea. Like the praise team so wonderfully sang in their last song, God loves us despite us. God loves us even though we're still not yet have attained. But Paul is saying, even though you haven't attained, like Paul, keep reaching forward. Keep leaning and straining forward. Why? Because you're going towards the prize. And that prize is none other than Jesus Christ. What do you say? Amen. But church, last but not least, notice verse, 18, uh, notice verse 14. It says, do everything. Oh, that's verse 2. All right, here we go. Verse 14. Notice what it says. It says, there we go, 3. There we go. Okay, notice verse 14. It says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Heavenward in Christ Jesus. Church, I'm going to tell you something. Our goal is to continue pressing forward 
heavenward by the power and the strength of Jesus through his Holy Spirit. If you were to tell me, Pastor, I just can't do it on my own, I would say you're right. You and I can't do it on our own. But with God, all things are possible. Church, that's why I want you to know it is so important that when you're running or some of you all that aren't as young as me and the young people, y'all got to walk, amen? But me and the young people, as we're running, as we're stretching, as we're leaning, it's all about keeping your eye on the prize. It reminds me of a true story, a true story, a true story, and I'm about to close with the story. True story, when I was a senior at Loma Linda Academy, uh, it, was the, it, was, uh, it was class competition, Freshmen, sophomore, juniors, and seniors, we were all doing track and field, and I was the last leg of our relay race. True story. True story. I still get told about this from some of my friends when I see them in California. We were running and preparing for this track meet. As a senior, you are not supposed to lose in competition, especially when it comes to track and field. You're bigger, you're stronger, you're, you're just supposed to be better because you're the senior. I'll never forget the story, church. And again, I'm telling the truth. My, my daughter's shaking her head because she's heard this. And she says the story changes, Pastor, every time I say it. <laughs> but, but I'm telling the truth. We were running track. Uh, and it was the last competition of the evening. I was the last leg. And as we were preparing, I remember everybody high-fiving. And, you know, all the people pretty much knew, oh, man, the seniors are going to win. And, church, I knew we were going to win also. Why? Because... I was pretty quick, but I had other guys that were just lightning fast, real fast. So we knew we were going to win. It's almost like having Hussein Bolt and, and Carl Lewis, amen, two different fast track stars. And we had them, and uh, I know one of my buddies is Danny Chonkis, real fast, real fast. And he's on my team and a few others. And I remember as we got ready for this race how I was so confident that we were going to win. And I remember when, the, when they said on your mark, it said, go, blew the gun. First brother that led off, oh, man, he dusted the first, his competition. He had like a 20-yard lead. And then the next person, he wasn't as fast, but again, he kept ground. Third person, he's really fast. He gained ground to where we had like a 30-yard lead or 30-foot lead. And finally, it came to me. And Christian friends, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you what I did. But like I told you earlier in John, 1 John 1, 9, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And church, I remember, since we had a lead, instead of getting it like this, hand the baton, I went like this, turned around. I'm looking at it. Because he has such a big lead, I could get it, turn around, and still win. Church, I got the baton, and they're like, run, David. I'm like, here I go. And I'm going like this, and I'm running. And all of a sudden, I heard somebody say, Dan, you better run. They're gaining on you. So I started looking back. And I was like, huh, that guy's only 20 feet from me. Let me keep running. David, they're gaining on you, I heard from these stands. I looked back again, 10 feet away. Church, I don't know how this freshman did it. But when I looked around one more time, all I saw was a I said, oh, I'm running, I'm running. Church, he won. And church, I'll never forget how disappointed my teammates were. They said, Dave, the seniors always win. How did you let us down? 
And then our sponsor, a teacher, Mr. Herman, he was our sponsor. He says, David, you lost the race because you kept looking back. Church, I'm here to tell you, you and I, we have to remember that all these precious promises in God's holy word, it's given to us to give us security, to give us help develop our trust and faith so that we don't keep looking back. And I want you all, come on up, sisters. I want you to know that if you take anything from this message today, just remember that Paul is saying, Garland, Christians, man, woman, boy, or girl, don't look back. Keep looking forward. You might fall sometimes. Get up and keep looking forward. You might even go off the, 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 the track a little bit but still keep looking forward and going towards your prize. Church, by the power of God, through his Holy Spirit, you and I will get the prize. Amen. 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 In closing, shall we all rise and sing hymn number 530, It Is Well With My Soul.
Church, is it well with your soul today? Amen. The only way you know it's well with your soul is if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you accept and have made a made-up mind to live for him. If that's your goal today, then you're really running towards the mark. So if that's your goal to continue running the race in the name of Jesus and through his power, could you just raise your hand with me? Before I pray, I just want to know, you can put your hands down. Does there happen to be someone that believes that maybe Jesus wants you not only to run the race, but he wants you to run the race as far as uh, giving your life to him in baptism? Is, is, that, is there a person here that feels that God wants them to run a race uh, along with uh, being obedient to uh, being baptized and joining uh, God's church here? If you're here today, could you just raise your hand? Maybe as a man or a woman or a boy or a girl that's saying, I want to not only run the race, but I want to run the race as a, as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian so that I can be trained and, and taught and baptized and, 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 and join God's church and then be used to help others know the truth so they too can be set free. If you're here today, could you raise your hand? Amen. I see one hand. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to ask us all to bow our heads. And I'm just going to ask if this, the person that raised their hand, they'll come forward, and we're going to have a special word of prayer. If you raise your hand because you want to be, join God's church here at Garland and be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, could you just come on forward with me? Man or woman, boy or girl, come on. We don't have a lot of time. If you're here, just come on forward. Raise it. If you raise your hand, come on forward. If you want me to, I'll come and get you if you want me to. can be seated. The ushers will usher you out. Don't forget that we'll go straight to the uh, funeral home. That's 1111 Military Parkway. The service starts at 1, so we should be heading directly over there. So the elders and myself, we're going to head over there. We'll see you there, and uh, we'll support and show our love to Sister Betty Duke and her family. 